Welcome to Becoming Unstuck, a safe place to help individuals find the tools they need to live the life they truly want. I'm your host, Jordan Meyer, Trauma and Resiliency Therapist. Join me here each week where we will learn one tool that you can use to help you become the person you've always wanted to be and live each day with more happiness. On today's episode, we're talking about recovery after trauma. Now, I would not be a trauma and resiliency therapist if we did not do an episode on how to recover after trauma. Um, And I think it's safe to say that a majority of individuals have gone through something traumatic in their life. And we're going to talk about some of the differences between different traumas. We have what we call big T traumas and little t traumas. And oftentimes, we get really confused about what the differences are between these, but Between that, trauma exists in the lives of every individual in some way, shape, or form. And learning how to recover from it, be it an advanced trauma or a complex or or a simple trauma, um, we we need to know how to be able to move on from it and not become stuck in that trauma. And learning how to recover afterwards can be really difficult and consuming and and hard to navigate. And so I want to offer help in this direction, understanding how sensitive it is, right? So trauma shatters the construction of the self that is formed and sustained in relation to others. It undermines the belief system that gives meaning to human experience, and it violates the victim's faith in a natural or a divine order and casts the victim into a state of existential crisis, okay? Trauma destroys a person's fundamental assumptions about the safety of the world and the positive value of the self and the meaningful order of creation. The sense of safety in the world is a basic trust that is required in the earliest parts of life's development. It forms in the basis of all systems and relationships and faith through a person's life. Basic trust is the foundation of of belief in the continuity of life and the order of nature and the transcendent order of the divine. One of my favorite quotes, okay? A secure sense of connection is the foundation of personality development. And when a connection is shattered, the traumatized person loses their basic sense of self-trauma forces. The survivor will relive the earliest struggles over autonomy, competency, identity, and intimacy, okay? Now, learning how to understand how to heal from trauma and restore these ruptures in relationships and autonomy at the early stages of life, there are three areas we're going to talk about, okay? Well, kind of four areas, relational healing, safety, remembrance and mourning, and reconnection. And as we talk about these, we're going to break down how all of these play a role in helping to heal and restore an individual after trauma or traumatic experience. Okay, Relational healing, the core experiences of psychological trauma uh, are disempowerment and disconnection from others. Recovery, therefore, is based upon the empowerment of creating new connections in life. Recovery cannot take place only within the context of relationships. It has to occur with people. It cannot occur in isolation. A disempowerment or disconnection trauma exists with another individual, and therefore healing has to occur with another individual. Okay? In order to heal, the restoration of autonomy, self-empowerment, control, and trust 
Restoration of the negative beliefs developed during the trauma must be worked through in order to maintain a proper balance in life. Okay, relationally, individuals who will reenact the things learned during these instances. That is why oftentimes individuals will find themselves in continued unhealthy relationships that are triggered and they reenact past relationships and characteristics of those in their lives that often led to disappointment and failure. The extreme dichotomy is that an individual who has experienced trauma or distrust early on in the development stages of relationships in their life is unable to trust that safety and vulnerability exist. The disconnection is that only in vulnerability can a person learn to trust, heal, and recover. Okay, so we have to learn how to maintain relationships. And in these relationships is really where the healing power comes into to full effect. But in order to reach that point, right, we have to do a few steps prior to. So in order to heal from trauma and a lot of hurt and negative beliefs and pain in life, we often like to skip a few steps and just go right to that relational aspect. And there are certain things we have to do in order to get to that point. Okay. So the beginning parts of learning how to recover from trauma, number one is safety. Safety is the first aspect of maintaining healing and recovery from trauma. It is the beginning stage because in order to maintain any sense of autonomy and healing, there has to exist a space for safety for the individual to feel that hope is possible and recovery can happen. Within safety, the first aspect is in regards to maintaining and restoring control within the individual or self. This often results in learning coping strategies, self-soothing techniques, and being able to restore control within themselves. Establishing safety begins by focusing on control of the body and gradually moving outward toward control of the environment. Establishing safety is restoring the autonomy of the individual and increasing the self-empowerment needed to go through the journey of healing. So if you or an individual you know is in the journey of healing after trauma or after anything in their lives, recognize that the first step is always safety, is creating and being able to develop a safe place for healing to occur. That is first and foremost the the number one thing that is needed. Without that, it cannot happen. It cannot occur. And I think sometimes we skip this step, really not understanding how crucial it is to start with. Once we've established and maintained safety, we then start to develop into the remembrance and mourning section of recovery. One of the aspects of trauma is that during the traumatic experience, the brain acts in a way as a protective factor. And one thing that it does is it fractures the experience to protect the individual from the full weight of the experience. So what often shows up as an individual who experienced trauma is that they may have bits and pieces, a fractured memory, but they don't have the complete story or narrative about what happened. So if you can relate to like a scary movie that you don't want to watch the whole thing through, you'll cover your eyes through bits and pieces of it. And What that does is it acts as though you feel like you're not looking at it or watching that sequence at the moment, and so therefore it's not as scary and impactful. And this is kind of what our brain does, is it takes moments of this traumatic narrative and story and blocks our view from it, 
or represses it. And that helps our brain be able to cope better with the full weight of the trauma and the pain so that we can survive from it. So part of the healing process is being able to uh, explore and restore the narrative and have a complete reconstruction of the entire trauma story. This exploration provides context within a particular meaning of the trauma to be better understood. Uh, The descent into mourning uh, is the most necessary and also the most dreaded task of recovery for a lot of people. People often fear that the task is impossible, it's insurmountable, and the fear, if they let it come up, it will consume them. They'll never be able to stop. When the emotions rise, they'll be never able to overcome them, and it will become too overwhelming and encompassing. And then, and trauma is, is like an overfilled suitcase or a drunk drawer. We can avoid it for as long as possible. We can continue to shove things in it, ignore it, pretend it doesn't exist. The problem is that trauma never goes away. There comes a point where you cannot shove anything else in the suitcase. You cannot put anything else in the junk drawer. And try as you might, the trauma comes forth, like an exploding suitcase or a junk drawer that just won't won't close. Um, And when this happens, you have two choices. You can either face it and deal with it, or you can become consumed by it and be destroyed. And there's, it's really kind of a grimace way to look at it. And, and I'm putting it in a different way. When it reaches the point that you can no longer shove your trauma down, you have to recognize it. You have to notice it. And you have to deal with it. This is your brain's way of telling you we have no more room to shove this. We have to deal with it. And it's really your brain's way of offering another protective factor for you is it wants you to heal. It wants you to get better. And this is its way of doing it is saying, hey, remember all this stuff we didn't deal with? We need to deal with it now so that we can be happy moving forward. And so I would challenge you to look at it as a positive thing rather than a negative thing. Okay. But I want to talk also for a moment about what constitutes trauma. So most of the time we think of trauma in what we call and refer to as a big T trauma. Now this is a car accident, a traumatic situation, a natural disaster, abuse, etc. Okay, we refer to this as big T trauma. And this is where most individuals say, well, I don't think I have a lot of trauma growing up, so I don't know why I feel the way I do. And they're often thinking of it in the context or mindset of big T trauma. What we often don't talk about is what we call little T trauma. Now, these are traumatic situations that as an adult, you look back on and you say, eh, it's not that big of a deal. But to a child in certain situations, it's a very, very big deal, okay? So little T trauma is often associated with times in life that were traumatic for a child that as an adult, you may dismiss or think it's not big of a deal, okay? These moments are as if you are in school and you're made fun of or bullied, right? That experience can be very traumatic. So little t traumas such as bullying or being in a scary situation, left at a school or a building by yourself, being lost in the supermarket. These are things that can develop negative or or little t traumas for kids growing up into adulthood. Um, And you may look back and say, it's not that big of a deal. But 
As we dive further into what constitutes traumatic experience, we need to recognize that there are both big T and little t traumas. The second part that we need to recognize is that what makes trauma trauma? Or put another way, what makes traumatic experience last through our life and memorable is not the experience we went through. Okay, now let me say that again. What makes something trauma is not what we went through. Rather, what makes it traumatic is that because of what we went through, we now develop what we call a negative belief. And that negative belief becomes a new lens or a way in which we see the world. That lens then begins to interfere with our behavior. And we begin to develop behaviors and patterns of doing things in a way that is now directly related to the traumatic experience that we had. Okay? So the traumatic experience changes the way in which we see the world and often in a negative light because of that. Now you carry this belief with you through your life and that is what then leads to behaviors that we reenact. So an individual who may experience a very bad breakup as a teenager now develops the belief system that they're not good enough, they're not lovable, nobody wants them. Now an adult may look back on this and say, ah, it was young love, it wasn't that bad of a breakup. But to this specific individual, this breakup was devastating. And out of that developed a negative belief that they're not lovable or good enough. That's the trauma. The trauma now moves forward in every facet of life because the negative belief comes with it. Now the trauma comes with you because in every instance of dating, you believe you're not good enough or you don't matter. And that's what we need to address in order to heal and fully recover from the trauma. So the last part, after we've established safety, uh, remembrance and mourning, understanding the trauma and being able to recognize negative belief, is we need to learn to establish reconnection. Resolution of the trauma is never final. Recovery is never complete. And I think this is what's difficult oftentimes. The impact of traumatic amends continues to reverberate throughout the survivor's life cycle. Issues that were sufficiently resolved in one stage of recovery and early on may be reawakened as the survivor reaches milestones in their development. Instances such as marriage, divorce, birth, death, illness, um, uh, other frequent occasions offer a resurgence of the traumatic memories. So uh, a psychologist, Mary Harvey, defines seven criteria for the resolution of trauma. First, the physiological symptoms of post-traumatic stress have been brought within manageable limits. That means you've learned how to develop coping strategies and self-soothing techniques to be able to manage and maintain emotional regulation in daily life. Second, the person is able to bear the feelings associated with the traumatic experience. Third, the person has authority over their memories and they can elect both to remember and to put memory aside. Fourth, the memory of the traumatic event is a coherent narrative linked with feeling. Now that is very, very important. We have to match the heart, mind, and body to the experience to fully recover. Fifth, the person's damaged self-esteem has been restored. Sixth, the person's important relationships have been reestablished. And seventh and finally, the person has reconstructed a coherent system of meaning and belief 
that encompasses the story of the trauma. Now, these are seven areas that Mary Harvey defined in, in resolution of trauma. And, and as we've talked today, the areas we've discussed in understanding uh, kind of the aspects and basics of trauma, as well as the starting and beginning points of how to learn to overcome it. We need to learn how to maintain and restore safety. We need to learn how to enter a state of remembrance and mourning to reconstruct a full trauma narrative. And we need to reconnect with ourselves, with others, and with something greater than us. So if you or anyone you know is in a situation that you feel as though you are unable to move past trauma, or rather you may feel as though you have a lot of little t traumas, areas of your life that you feel are affecting how you feel about yourself, how you feel about the world, feeling like you're not good enough, you don't belong, you're not lovable. These are all areas of trauma that can be worked through, overcome, and to reach a sense of autonomy and empowerment. I would urge you and encourage that if you are in this situation, please reach out for help. Find a professional to work with who can guide you through this and be your advocate through it to help you live the life that you truly want. And join us here next week. Thank you for listening. As always, if you'd enjoyed today's episode, please share with your friends and family and join me here next week. If you happen to live in the Utah Salt Lake area, please reach out for help if needed. You can find me on Instagram at jordanmeyer.cmhc. Follow me on Facebook. And remember, you can find this episode and future episodes on any podcast platform, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and I will see y'all next week.